0: Hi, thanks for joining us to listen to another message from Rumney Chapel in Cardiff, UK. If you'd like to know more about the chapel, then visit us online at rumneychapel.org or look us up on social media. Enjoy the message. Good morning all. Happy Father's Day for those dads who are listening in today. I hope you're having a good day. I hope you're watching this uh, service this morning from with your breakfast in bed. I wish. Anyway, we're continuing this week in, in um, the book of James. It's our fifth week. We come to chapter 3 from verse 1 to 12 in the series of Faith That Works. Now, in recent days, you're all aware of our, our situation with, with mum. And we've had lots of messages and lots of cards uh, I've received. And they've become very aware uh, the word in season can bring such comfort and hope in these situations. And in li- any life situation, really speaking. Uh, or a text of encouragement during lockdown lifts our spirits, so communication, what James is talking about in this chapter, uh, has become a big issue for us, especially with the lack of face-to-face contact, uh, meeting up with folks, probably has always been that way to a certain extent, yet in these days the wrong word at the wrong time can cause so much pain, so much hurt and so much misunderstanding. Uh, we all know that old saying, don't we? We, say it when we, we taught you when we were kids. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Nothing can be further from the truth. It's one of the biggest lies. We know words hurt and they cut deep sometimes. It's not just about what we say though. It's about the way it's said. And that is one of the major problems we have with our social media. Uh, We cannot see the person who's texting us or messaging us on a a Facebook page or whatever it might be, Instagram or whatever. Uh, And we can't see them, so we can easily misunderstand what they're saying. And we can take offence. And though it might be meant not to offend us, it might have great motives. But it doesn't matter, we respond accordingly and wrongly sometimes. Um, and the more words get involved, we, the words go back and forth, and that's how war starts. How many misunderstandings have I caused? How many misunderstandings have you caused by saying the wrong thing, even though our motives might be pure? You know, we know in a, each day the Prime Minister and the other politicians come on with the coronavirus briefings in Wales, and also in, in England and Scotland and Ireland, separate ones. Of uh, course, so much confusion because of what is said and what is communicated is not always clear, and so misunderstood. Sometimes people we get it wrong, causes all sorts of heartaches and anxieties. The words can make or break any situation. The you know, scripture has quite a bit to say um, about a good advice about using the right words at the right time and the right place. Quite a bit in Proverbs on on words. It'll be just a few to you. Just thoughtless words. Wound as deeply as any sword. That's so true, isn't it? Thoughtless words can wound so deeply as any sword, but wisely spoken words can bring healing. A word aptly given, are like apples of gold in settings of silver. Or another one that in proverb says, "What you say can preserve life, or destroy life," for you must accept the consequences of the words you speak. You know it's that old saying, is it? Once the toothpaste is out, you can't put it back in. I know there's exceptions, really. You'll get somebody who, could, who will do it, but once it's words once they're out, you can't take them back. You no know, matter how much we we apologise, how much we say sorry, the words are out and it's too late, isn't it? And they do what they do. They do their work. And the Apostle Paul, when he writes to to Timothy, a young pastor, he charges it before God in the Second Timothy chapter four verse two. He says preach the Word of God, be prepared whether time is favourable or not, patiently correct, patiently rebuke, patiently encourage your people with good teaching. Now that is the cry of many today in all sorts of different uh, scenarios and different uh, problems that people are facing is what we need is education, education, education. Um, This is the place where James starts off was in in verse 1 and 2. He highlights as we continue that this morning he highlights about teachers, he says not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that what so that sorry so again, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. This I find very challenging as a teacher of the Word of God. James is talking about those who teach the Word of God, yet it can be applied to all forms of teaching, whether it's in a class or whether it's just one-to-one. The responsibility of bringing the truth, whatever the subject might be, is a challenge. Because what we say can affect so much and mould someone's thinking and set them on certain pathways, right or wrong. It's also a privilege to be a teacher. But it also comes with a caveat, because as a teacher of God's Word, I will be held accountable and will be judged more strictly. It's what the scripture is saying. You now, James recognizes that if if, it, if, we never get it wrong and if we never stumble on what we say, then we are perfect. I wish none of us could say that's true of us. I've learned that in so many, there's so many false teachers out there and they destroy and they rip apart people's lives especially in the spiritual realm. Now James goes on to say Shear, that if we are perfect, then we will be able to control our whole body by controlling our tongues. We know that's not, not doable. Then he points out some obvious analogies of, total inability, of our total inability controlling our tongues and the effects of that. In James chapter three and verse three to four we read, if we put bits into the mouths of horses, that they obey us, we guide the whole of their bodies as well. Look at a ship, also, though they are so large and driven by strong winds. Looking at old fashioned sailing ships, obviously, Although they are so large, they are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small part called the rudder. Where they will, but whether the so, wherever the will of the pilot directs the ship, James says, the tongue is a small part of the body. Was boasts of great things, yet we cannot control it. And it controls us and it affects the rest of our bodies and our lives. James uses very strong language here in chapter 3, verse 5 to 8. It's what he says describing the tongue. But a tiny spark can set on fire a great forest. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire, it's a whole world of wickedness. Corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. For it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals. Birds, reptiles, fish. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless and evil full of deadly poison. Have you ever noticed whenever there is a disagreement or argument. It's never my fault. It's never your fault. It's never our fault. And we tend to go on the defensive don't we. And it's usually over something small, but gets all blown out of proportion. We all know families and can point to families and even in our own families, perhaps. I've not spoken for years, but no one quite remembers what the deal was all about in the first place. What started it all? It sometimes takes someone, although they may be the one at fault, to say sorry, or maybe not the one at fault, to say sorry. Allow me to go on a little bit of a tangent here, just here, a few sentences really, thinking about that word, sorry. Saying sorry is such a hard thing sometimes, isn't it? We, no one likes to say sorry, especially if they feel that they're right. But that is exactly what Jesus did for you and me. Our argument was with God, our Creator. He had done nothing but love us and showed us compassion and grace. What, what was our response? to that. Mankind rejected him. In my past, I rejected him and turned away from his love. Yet at that point of argument, that point of rejection, that point of walking away from him, Jesus steps in and says, on our behalf, Father, I'm sorry. Please forgive them. I'll pay the price for them. And he took our place on the cross. He paid the price for our redemption and our reconciliation to God. The Bible says that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself. He paid the price for us. We no longer have to pay. Eternal life is free. All we need to do is accept it as any gift. We accept any gift. When someone offers you a gift, you don't question it. You take it and you enjoy it. and You use it and let it be part of who you are. That's what He's done for us. Salvation for you and me is free. Jesus paid for it. You know, James goes on now into further verses, verse 9 and so on. He goes on to say a few more things about the words we use. But it's not just about the words we use that come out of our mouth, it's what's in the heart that motivates to the tongue. It says here in the book of James about stuff to do with it. What spills out of our hearts. You know, when you're carrying a cup of tea, someone bumps your elbow, what spills out? It's the T. When we get knocked in life, when we get knocked or something said to us, upsets us. What spills out? I wonder. James says here in verse nine. With it, this tongue he's talking about. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and yet with it we curse the people who are made in the likeness of God in God's image. With the same mouth came blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be, not to be so. Now James challenges us about contradictions. We say we worship and bless the Father one minute and next we are cursing our fellow man who is made in the image of God. James says in the strong words, brothers, and he means sisters, or brothers and sisters, these things are not right and not ought to be. That is a challenge, isn't it, to us? What Not ought to be, yet we still do these things. Reminds me of some verses in Matthew, uh, Jesus spoke, some words Jesus spoke. He says, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth defiles the person. So what comes out of our mouths defiles us who we are. What is James challenges this year about? What he's saying, what comes out of our mouths, what words we use, that curse and honour God. Curse or honour God? Is the language we, is our language we use reflect on the one we serve and follow? Do they point to Him? Or do they turn people off? Do folks know we are following Jesus by the way we speak and the way we act? What do they find when they come to us? Remember. Um, James and John went to pray, and they were arrested for healing the lame man at the Gate Beautiful. Where I think it's called Gate Beautiful. I'm not sure now. Yet they, the people said, "Who are these unlearned men?" But they perceived, by the what they did and what they said, these men had been with Jesus. I wonder if they can say it about that. So as we go out, not out today because we're still in lockdown. But when we go out, when we go out and share in our lives with people around us, do they perceive that we've been? with Jesus or what should folks expect when we claim allegiance to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? I don't necessarily see here just about swearing bad language, it's not just about that, it's about language use that is unnecessary to use and also the way we speak to each other as family of God or in our normal families, how do we speak together with loving tones I was always with anger antagonism. Even sarcasm sometimes can be wrong. Even to be be making sure what we say to people is truth and can be trusted. And no one should say of us, take what they say with a pinch of salt. James also goes on to say then in verse 11, Does a spring pour forth from the same opening... Both fresh and salt water. Obviously the answer to that is no. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bit olives? The answer to that is obviously no. Or a grapevine produce figs again, the answer is obviously no. Neither can salt pond yield fresh water. The challenge James is here is is about practising really what we preach. We know that saying don't we? Everybody says to everybody, don't they, especially to the church, you should practice what you preach. And that is so true. We can't say one thing with our mouths, and our lives show something else. We can't say, I am this, and act something else. It doesn't work. It's not God honouring. And I point, when I point, and not point your fingers, guys, because I know if I point your fingers to you, it will be three pointing back at me. I need to take this challenge as me as well, as a teacher of the Word of God. I know I will be judged, because I have to be, the Bible says I will be judged if I don't teach the truth, and I don't live it out. Controlling our tongues, which controls our body, honouring Christ, points to his love and grace with the help of the Holy Spirit. That's what it's about. Words, we should be speaking words that reconcile, words that create harmony, words of peace that bring hope. We are called to be light bearers, peace walkers, bringing hope and peace to all those around us. Not just by our actions, in what we say, what our tongues say. Amen.